I feel like God's just stirring something in us the last month. I don't know, anybody else sense that? Just an intensity of his presence. And I know the teams that have been out have seen just an ease in God healing people and touching lives. I love it when Jesus comes to church, don't you? I really love it. It's Pentecost Sunday. Thank you, both of you. Um, Pentecost Sunday, I know I... I uh, you could talk about miracles and healings and speaking in tongues and the fruit of the Spirit and all that kind of stuff. But I just feel to go in a slightly different angle with it because um, I do want to talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit this morning. But I want to go... Um, on a slightly different route. And um, I want to play you a little video just to kind of line us up with that. And it's a song I heard um, the other week. And uh, I'll tell you the story behind the song afterwards. And, um, well, just, I, I know we've kind of, I'm, I'm talking now, but don't get out of worship mode, okay? It's just a song, that's what I'm going to play you as a song. Uh, you, you'll be able to see the lyrics on the screen. And... Um, just even while I share a few stories this morning, just be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, the church was birthed and fearful men became strong. Uh, uh, the ordinary became extraordinary. The thing that's going to make you remarkable, um, stop trying to be remarkable on your own. We're just not that good. And if you think you are, live a little bit longer and you'll join the rest of us. Um, but it's the presence of God in our lives. Um, you know, the temple was just a building till the cloud of glory came. Men are just men until presence touches their lives. Amen. So listen to this and I'll talk a bit on it. But it's a lovely song and uh, we're going to take Pentecost from a different angle today. Let's see if this works. Everybody... Cross your fingers, touch wood or pray, whichever works. Let's go.
Isn't that beautiful? And uh, just before hearing it, I was reading a book by Brennan Manning, not Bernard Manning, Brennan Manning, who, who died just a few years ago, a uh, spirit-filled monk who knew something of the love of God and wrote books like The Ragamuffin Gospel and The Furious Longings of God. And this line, Abba, I belong to you, comes from one of his stories. He was ministering late into uh, the night uh, in a conference, and uh, it got so late, and he ministered for so long that he kind of fell into his bedroom in the, in the conference center or monastery where they were, and he fell on his bed fully clothed and fell asleep. And some hours later, there was a little knock at his door, and there was a nun in her 60s, uh, knocked at the door and said, Father, can I, can I talk to you? And so they, they pushed two seats together in the corridor and she began to tell her story. And she said, I've never told anyone of, of uh, the abuse in my life as a child, that my father started abusing me at seven and by nine that had turned to rape. And then she went through a series of things in her life. And essentially the point was this, here was a woman in her 60s saying, I, I feel so much shame and I feel so dirty and, and, and they talked and, and he prayed with her and, and then he said this, I want you every day to sit down for an hour and just pray this prayer, Abba, I belong to you, Abba, I belong to you, Abba, I belong to you. And she was healed just praying the prayer. Because it is the absolute center of our faith. Abba, which of course is the most simple version of daddy. It's not even father. It's the first word Zach said was dada. Right, and Abba is the Jewish version. It's going to be the first thing that a child can form and say. And so... Uh, from the most sophisticated and grandiose and intelligent person in the world, uh, right down to a young child, everybody can say, Abba, Abba. And that's what Pentecost is all about. Because as I meditated on it and thought of these verses, you remember these? It's Romans 8, 15 and 16 says, The Spirit you received. So I want you to understand Spirit, the Spirit of God, Pentecost, and the fatherhood of God go hand in hand. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him, by the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies or bears witness with our spirit that we're God's children. What does a witness do? A witness says what they've seen. Um, the Spirit of God within you says, no, 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 no. I know how you're feeling right now, but I saw him die for your sins. I saw you accept him into your life. And the Spirit of God, the presence of God within you, causes a cry to arise that says, Abba, Daddy, Father, I'm yours. Galatians 4, 6 says, because you're his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, something about the Spirit of God touching our lives and the fatherhood of God. I love this verse here from the moment Jesus was baptized. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And this is what happened. 
And this is the experience of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. This is what I sense whenever the Holy Spirit comes. A voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit is the approving kiss of the Father. Larry Maloney, true story. Larry Maloney was a, uh, a hugely obese and rather ugly young lad. He had a face covered in acne. His hair went off in all different directions. He was not a looker. He was huge. In fact, he, he said that he would look in the, in the mirror every morning and spit at his own reflection in the mirror. He hated himself so much. He, would, he was the kind of kid that you would, uh, well, so the story goes, you know, he's not going to get a girlfriend. He's not going to be invited onto the societies and the college and the university. He was uh, a failure and an ugly lad. And one day, around the dinner table, his father was a very well-to-do Irishman, who, the sort of guy who would wear a full suit to the evening meal at home. One of those sorts. And one day, around the evening meal, the son happened to say that he needed to be at college at a certain time, and the father realized, well, I, I need to be in that direction too. Let's take the bus together. So father and son, uh, Larry and his dad, got on a bus, and they traveled, and then they got off at a bus station in a certain location as they were about to separate paths. And as they got off the, the bus, some men from across the road began to jeer at Larry, and they literally shouted, oink, oink, I can smell bacon, and they screamed at him and hurled uh, insults at him, and, and, and shouted and, and ridiculed his, his fatness and his looks and his acne, and, and said, basically, you'd be better off not born. And in that moment, this well-to-do Irish father, for the first time in his life, because he was a stoic man, leaned in and hugged his son and kissed his son on the cheek and said, my son, I want you to know I am so proud of you. And if your mother and I got to live to 200, there would not be enough time to tell you how thankful we are that you are in our lives and that you were given to us. We love you, son. And Larry, in that moment, would say, that was the moment I was healed. Something changed. He was an atheist, but several weeks later, he walked into the chaplain's office who tells this story, and sat down and said, so tell me about this Jesus. And Larry cleaned himself up, became a Christian, got a girl ended up president of one of the faculties, and in fact went on to become a remarkable missionary in South America. But he would say his life was changed not by the intelligence of the chaplain who told him the stories, but rather by the kiss of the approval of one father who said, I am so proud of you. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the approval kiss of the father saying, I'm for you. I love you. I'm proud of you. And before Jesus had done a thing, he said, I'm well pleased with you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. I've told the story before of a time in my own life when I was guilt-ridden and down, and I was at Bible school, and, and uh, we had to go to morning worship every morning. So I went, and I, I lay on the floor. I thought, if I fall asleep, as long as I don't snore, they'll just think I'm looking spiritual. But I was not in the mood, because that's what it's like when you're full of shame and guilt. You are not in the mood for spirituality. You feel so far from God, and you don't deserve a thing from God. That's what shame does. It's a completely useless emotion. Conviction is useful. Shame is useless. It's of the enemy. And I, I lay there, 
and people were worshipping around me and suddenly I found myself in a vision and I was stood on a mountain and there was God before me and literally his, his legs went down into the valley and his torso went up into the sky and, and he, was, he was built like a warrior, like a fighter and immediately the verse, the Lord is a warrior came to mind and he raised his arms. I mean, he was built like me. He was huge. Work with me. And he began to shout at the top of his voice, You are my son! You are my son. Two things were going through my heart. Number one, I was ashamed of me, but God was willing to shout from the rafters that I was his son. Everything inside me that was guilt-ridden and full of shame and all the failure and all the things I'd done wrong began to fall apart under the barrage of the approval of a father. And he kissed my life and healed me with his approval. That, as well as miracles and fruit and signs and wonders and all those other lovely things, I want you to realize what the presence of God does is kiss you and heal you. As you realize, this unlovable one is loved. The thing, the difference between Judas and Peter, Judas who, who betrayed God and uh, Jesus and, and Peter who denied him, is Judas couldn't face his shadow, so killed himself. Peter, though, he faced his shadow and still let the Father kiss him. And he realized there are dark things in my world, things I've done wrong, things that I wish I was so much more, but when I take my Sunday face off and my pretense of spirituality, this dark shadow is sometimes who I really am. And Peter let God love him and restore him. The whole point of the Spirit of God pouring out on a failure like Peter at Pentecost and turning a fearful man into a bold warrior that turned the world upside down is this, I'll face my shadow and let him love me. And even more importantly, I don't just receive his forgiveness. I will forgive myself in the light of the Father's kiss. God knows who we really are. The thing that's going to heal you more than anything about the power of the Holy Spirit is when you realize, Abba. You know, and we put that, I don't know about you, it, it's an illusion to think we're in control. Every new year, you're going to make some more New Year's resolutions to lose weight, gain weight, be taller, shorter. I don't know what yours would be. We're just not very good at it. We can do some little things, but we're not generally very good at it. Until Father works something in our hearts, the thing that will change you is this. God, I don't know. I'm not in control of life, but I do know this. Abba, I belong to you. Life's a difficult groan. Anybody get frustrated with themselves? I've had a week where I've been frustrated at God. Anybody ever prayed prayers like me? God, why don't you just do what I tell you to do? <laughs> then anybody, am I the only one that prays prayers like that? It's frustrating. Life, isn't it? I was looking at a little bit later on in Romans 8, which we read earlier. It uses these verses. Listen to this. If anybody here is groaning and frustrated... And I, I would imagine waking up to the news this morning, we're all groaning and frustrated. But listen, we know that the whole, it's Romans 8, 22 onwards, we know that the whole creation has been groaning. Say this, creation groans. As in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. The context here is the revealing of the sons of God. Oh, I, lo I love that phrase. Verse 23 goes on to say, not only so, but we ourselves, you have the first fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> we still... 
groan inwardly. Everybody say, we groan. So the creation groans and we groan as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, because somehow we've got it, but we've not got it. Anybody with me? I'm a son, but I'm becoming a son. I'm holy, but I'm becoming holy. And it frustrates the life out of me. I don't know about you. I like things done, sorted, finished, accomplished. Anybody with me? I couldn't stand a 25-year restoration house project at home. Could you? I know maybe some of you are the kind of people that live with a bathroom half done for 15 years, but that would drive me nuts. I want it done by Wednesday. And if we can have it done by Tuesday, Pete, even better. So we groan at our half-made nature that there's still dark stuff in the world and dark stuff in us. We groan inwardly as we wait for the adoption to sonship. Verse 26, in the same way, this encourages me, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Everybody say, the Spirit groans. groans. Look, so creation's groaning, you're groaning, even God's groaning. I don't know about you, I find that encouraging. <laughs> now, we know, you know, Greek language, a little bit of a Bible study for a moment, but the Greek language is so rich and you can go down through the roots of the word. So I started going down through the roots of the word groan there, and it starts with groan. And as you go deeper, you get words like sigh. So, you know, uh, and then you go, uh. and then as you go deeper into the word, the word groan comes from. More, more of a route, but we're going to go one even further than that that talks about narrowing down. Anybody ever sense the narrowing of God? Oh, come on, God. I don't know about you. I like it when we go into pastures green, but sometimes you find yourself in a valley of darkness where you groan, yeah. where you narrow down and it's pressure and it's difficult. But you know, if you go right to the very root of all those words, groan, sigh, narrow, it's the same word as Jesus said. It's a narrow way that we're on. That's why you and I groan. Because I don't know about you, I want to win the lottery and have a widescreen TV, anybody? And live in Honolulu. You want to be in Honolulu? You've been left in hell by God. If only he'd do what you tell him to do, right? I keep telling God I was born to be a wildlife photographer. Why are you making me do this? You know, sometimes you've got to give up trying to fulfill your dreams and just go fulfill your orders. And at some point in the future, trust daddy, they'll merge. He narrows you. But you know, at the very root of the word, it means to establish and make firm. So what feels like a groan, because you're narrowed and you're pressured, is actually the very thing that's going to establish you. Wow. I'm preaching good. Talk about eliciting a response, Harry. God, I don't know about you. I have groany weeks and groany days and groany nights, usually at three in the morning. But out of the pressure and the groan, why? What's happening? I'm becoming a son of God. Somehow in all of this, I'm becoming a son of God. And I can sense the approval and the kiss of heaven touching and transforming my life and touching and transforming my world. God, kiss me with your presence so that I know again today, even before we leave this room, I want to walk out of this room, even though I've got a bit of me groaning at the state of the world and at the state of my own soul at times. God, I'm your son. Abba, in the mess. 
I belong to you. Don't let fear take over with terrorism. Don't let a spirit of fear have you. Lean in to your father. He's your heavenly father. To be practical, you still live in one of the safest countries in the world. Come on, those of you from abroad, if you travel, you'd know we live in a very safe country. You hang out in Johannesburg where several dozen people die every week. We're blessed to live in a safe country. And actually what we need to be praying is, I, I believe there's a revival stirring right now. And in the darkness, the light will shine even brighter. And you what I know stories of, of uh, terrorists having Damascus Road experiences as the kingdom of God breaks into their world. I pray revival over ISIS, a revival of the kingdom of God. See, the apostle Paul, he was a religious terrorist. And God knocked him off his horse on the road to Damascus. God breathe, breathe through these messed up nations and messed up groups of people. and Whatever the right words are, breathe your kingdom. Let your kingdom come. Amen. Hmm. Abba, I belong to you. I don't really want to talk much more. I can feel the presence of God here so beautifully. Shall we stand in the presence of God? See, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the kiss of heaven. The kiss of the Father's approval. We need to lose over-sophisticating all of this. Take away our Sunday face and the feeling that we're earning brownie points. I want you to know your Father loves you. A young girl approached Brennan Manning and said, would you come and pray for my father? He's, he's dying of cancer. Come and pray with him. And he's not a man that Brennan knew, but he turned up to pray for him. And the man was lying in his bed with an empty chair next to the bed. And he said, so, were you expecting me? And the man said, oh, no. Are you expecting someone? No, no, oh, I've come to pray for you. Oh, good. Would you just close the door and come in? And he closed the door and came in and and sat on the chair, and he said, um, why the empty chair by the bed? And he said, well, I'll be honest with you, for years, every time the pastor talked about prayer, I didn't know what he was on about. He used to go over my head. I didn't get the whole prayer thing. And One day, I plucked up the courage to tell him. And uh, I said, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about with prayer. And he gave me this big, thick book by some German theologian, and I read it, and, well, to be honest, on the first page, I needed a dictionary to understand ten of the words. It made it even worse. So I gave up on all that, and I decided I'm just going to put a, be- a, a, a chair next to my bed or next to my chair, and I'm just going to pretend that Jesus is sat in the chair, and I'm just going to talk to him as if he was my friend, and listen if he, as if he was my friend. And I found Jesus. Brennan Manin prayed with the man and then went, and several days later, the young girl found him again. My father died. And Brennan said, was he okay? Did he die peacefully? And she said, yes, he did die peacefully. But the strangest thing is when we found him, he had his head resting on a chair next to his bed. You see, sometimes 
the simplicity of Abba, I'm yours. That's all that this is about. Breaks every other myth and complication and theological sophistication that we try to make it. Today what I want us to do is stand under the waterfalls of heaven, the outpouring of the Spirit, the place where the Father's kiss touches our groaning world. And may our groans be turned into just Abba, we belong to you. Abba. Just whisper it with me, Abba. I belong to you. Go on, say it a few times. Whisper it. Put your hands out in front of you and, and whisper to him, Abba. Just like that nun, be healed by the thought. You can't control your world, but your father does. Your father is stood in your future. And the Spirit of God poured into your lives causes your heart to cry, Abba, I belong.